Okay, so this week is Parshas Vayeshev, and of course, it's also Hanukkah. Hanukkah starts Thursday night. So this Shabbos is Shabbos Vayeshev, the Shalah. Um, the Shalah is Shai Horowitz, Alevi. So he said that always the Yom Tovim are connected to the Parsha of the week. He writes a lot about that, that even though it will seem, you know, what's the connection? It just happens to be that time of the year. But we believe everything is Bashkocha Pratis, everything is exact, especially when it comes to the Torah. We have to find connections of the Parsha with the with the um with the Yom Tov. Isn't, so, isn't it usually Miketz, Could also be, but it's definitely but Parsha he talks about Vayeshev and Miketz are both connected with Hanukkah. Sometimes even it's both, because it's an eight day Yom Tov. Okay, so there's an interesting Gemara Masach the Shabbos. Um, it's interesting that the whole sugi of Hanukkah, the whole concept of Hanukkah in, in Gemara is in Mesechta Shabbos. A famous question, which I'm not going to get into now, why there's no Mesechta and Mishnayis for Hanukkah. That's one of the famous questions. But be that as it may, that's the fact. And the, all the dinim, all the halachas and the concepts of Hanukkah come from the Gemara and Shabbos. So, the Gemara says, Shabbos daf chafalaf on beiz and ch- continues on chafayz and madalaf. Amar of Kahana. Rav Kana said, Dorosh Rav Nosan bar Minyumi. Rav Nosan, the son of Minyumi, said, Mishmeji Rav Tanchum, the name of Rav Tanchum. Ner shal Hanukkah shehinicha lemayla mi'eshrim ama psula. If you have a Hanukkah candle, that it's, it's higher than 20 cubits, more than well, approximately about 30 feet, it's possible. It's invalid. Kisuka o kemavoy. These are different halachas. A sukkah may not be that high. A mavoy uh, may not be that high. That has to do with Erevin. There's this shear, there's this amount of 20 amas tall, which actually is an important number. Most people don't have the problem. Most people Hanukkah menorahs are not that high. But especially in Chabad, we have the public menorahs all over the place. And the public menorahs will never be more than about 30 feet because of this concept, this halacha of 20 amas. Okay, that's the first din. Then the Gemara says, Amar of Kana. Another statement of Kana. Darash of Nasan bar Manyumi Mishpendir of The same people, of Nasan bar Manyumi said the name. This week's Parsha. It says that Yosef Asadi comes and the brothers throw him into the pit. The Pasuk says the pit was empty. There's no water there. So the Gemara says, If it says it's empty, then obviously there's no water. Why does it have to say it's empty and there is no water? Why does it say there is no water? That it says the, the pit was empty, there was no water, but there was something there. There were snakes, there were scorpions, and Yosef's life was in imminent danger when he was thrown into that pit. So here we have an interesting thing that you're in the middle of the Gemara about Hanukkah, the laws about Hanukkah, and the Gemara throws in a concept that would seem to have no connection to Hanukkah whatsoever, but it's on the Parsha of the week. Mm. Right? And here you have that idea of the Shalah that somehow the Parsha of the week and Hanukkah mm. are intertwined. And here in the Gemara, the Gemara obviously is not following uh, you know, a statement of the Shalot, but the, um, here you have the Gemara starts off with the Halacha of Hanukkah, about 20 Amas high. And then it goes into this uh, idea of our Parsha, that the pit was empty, but there was no water, and there was snakes and scorpions in that pit that Yosef Asadik was thrown into. So again, there's the obvious question that is asked, what is the relationship of these two concepts, the laws of Hanukkah, the sugi of Hanukkah, and the concept that the pit that Yosef was thrown into had no water in it. Mm-hmm. Now, on the, on the simplest level of pshat, the reason why this teaching is here in this Gemara is because of the one who said it. 
Um, sometimes we find that in the Gemara, that if there's the Gemara mm. gets telling us of a certain statement, of a certain Amur, a certain teacher, then it gives us another teaching that he taught, though it's not directly connected to the Suya. And that's the story here, because it's Rav Kahana talking in the name of Rav Nassim Barmenyuma, in the name of Rav Tanchum. Both of these statements were said by exactly the same person, and not just that person, but the whole setup. The person who said it in the name of a person. So on the level of, of strict shot. That's how this piece ended up in the Sugya of Which Hanan. you find a lot of times. Which right? you find in the Shastas oh, yeah. a lot of times. But, of course, knowing the precision of every idea in Torah, it's very um, logical to assume that there's something deeper to that, where the drash on this week's Parsha about the water in the, uh, in the uh, snakes and scorpions in the pit of Yosef is also has a deeper connection with Hanukkah as well. And that's what we're going to try to uh, do over here and show a deeper connection between this drash, this idea of the, of the pit, without the water, with the snakes and scorpions, and how that relates to Hanukkah. So, I'm sorry? There's a Nasa component over here. Obviously, there's a big miracle here that Yosef survived. But we're going to go, and again, there's a number of drushim that are said about this. I'm going to take it in a different way. So, in order to do that, let's, let's analyze this drash about this pit that has no water. Right? So there's the Medrash, Medrash Rabbah, on this week's Parsha, that again quotes the same Pasuk, again, the same Pasuk, they threw Yosef into the pit, the pit has no water, there's no water, but there are snakes and scorpions. The Medrash, though, adds another Pirush, another interpretation into the Pasuk. Amrav Acha, Bayrik, that the, um, the pit is empty, Nisreken Bayrik Shal Yaakov, Yaakov's pit was emptied from water. What does it mean, water? We have a general concept mentioned in, in Gemara in a number of places that Torah is compared to water. And there's numerous reasons given to that. We'll look at one or two of them tonight. But the fact is that Torah is compared to water. So the Medrash is saying here is that in Yaakov's pit, so to speak, in Yaakov's home, there was no water at this time. Because the Shvatim were acting in a way that wasn't according to Torah. As the Hamedrash goes on to say, Madat Omar, as it says in Yeshayahu, the Navi Yeshayahu says, metaphorically, if you're thirsty, go take water, referring to Torah. The Pasik says that if a person kidnaps, so then a person is going against the Torah. And you're going ahead and selling your brother. So here the Medrash is giving us a different interpretation to the waterless pit, the pit that has no water. That, so to speak, the Torah was left from Yaakov's family. No, that's why it was bored, you said. That's why it's rake. Right, that's why it's rake. It's empty because there's no water, there's no Torah here because they're acting not according to Torah. So Wasn't Benjamin still at home? Wasn't he learning? Okay, that's a good point. So there still was some terror, but it would seem that many of the Shvatim are... Well, the, they were all out. The vast majority, but they represented Yaakov's family and Yaakov's, uh, yeah. you know, continuation. And they were acting in a way that wasn't according to terror. So basically, we have over here now two Pirushim, two explanations about this waterless pit. One is that it's waterless, but there are snakes and scorpions. One is that the water uh, is uh, representing Torah, and the Torah is lacking over here. Um... But it's interesting, when you think about it, the Shvatim, who are obviously very great tzaddikim and holy yeah. people, we know, and here they're acting in this way that's very hard for anyone to understand and to relate to, to sell their own brother. So there is various mefarshim that talk about it and give different explanations as to what was going through their mind. 
Why were they doing this? Um, and I, I hear quoted two. I'm not going to read all of them. All, you're not going to read all the, all, everything. But the, one from the Sefarno and one from the Or HaChaim. <coughs> These are both, the Sefarno and Or are both very authoritative Mefarshim, um, commentaries to the Chumash. So the Sfarno says, and I'll, I'll try to read it and, and translate. He says, "Beyos kulam tzadikim gimurim." He says the, the Shvatim were great tzadikim. Ashahoyu shmosim lefnei Hashem lezikaron. Their names are always held as a zikaron, as a memory before Hashem for our zchus. Eich naadu leiv yachtav larugas achayem lemachro. How could they have decided this to kill their brother, to sell their brother? V'leinicham uval aron, not even to regret this. He says something interesting. Even much later, when they do regret it. You know when they're so when when you know when yeah. the, when when Yosef is is the viceroy and he takes them into prison. So they say that that we shouldn't have done it because he was begging for his life and we didn't listen to him. He says even then they didn't say we did something essentially wrong. It's just that if he was begging, we should have listened. So the Svarno is wondering. He says, but how how could this happen? And he says in the second to the last line, he says he gid hakasov kitziru belibam v'chashvu. In their minds, they thought as Yosef. Somehow they felt he was out to get them. And they felt he wanted to uh, either kill them, whether in this world or spiritually. They felt threatened by Yosef. You know, Yosef was Yaakov's favorite son, and Yosef would tell their father bad things about them. They felt threatened. And when you feel threatened, there's a concept of habala hargacha hashkim vahargo. Someone who's coming to get you. That's what the Sfarno says. Yeah, the Sfarno says that they're 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 obviously they're making a mistake, but in their mind, they felt he was out to get them, and they were acting in some sort sort of self protection or self defense. That's the Sfarno's approach. You have the Orachayim, who says similar. This is a different approach, and again, it's a little lengthier. I don't want to read all the words here, but he says that. A uh, similar concept, and he says that they felt that he was like a, um, there's a myth, there's a concept of Eid Zomim. Mm-hmm. Eid Zomim, which means a witness which is coming to be a false witness to you. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. A, fa- a witness is trying to say that someone is Chai um, of Misa or something. So the, the halacha is that we put the, the false witness to death. Mm-hmm. So they felt that Yosef was an Eid Zomim, because Yosef was telling their father bad things about them. Rashi says, he said that they were, that they were culpable of all types of sins. Which means that really they would have Bichai of Misa because they're Ben Noach. He goes through the halachic angle of it. Their point was, he was trying to have them put to death through his Edus to Yaakov Avinu, so they felt that he's Chai of Misa himself. That's again, if you, if you want to take the paper, you read it. The Rahim goes through the whole Cheshbon. But he says, halachically, they felt that Yosef was an Edzomim, and therefore he was Chai of Misa. And that's why they, it says in fact, some sort of say they made a Bezdin, they got together, and they, they uh, did a Din Torah, and they said that he's Chai of Misa. The point is, you have various mefarshim that give explanations of what the Shvatim were thinking. They weren't just, they were, these weren't murderers. These were these were Tzadikim. The Sefarim said Tzadikim Gimurim. So they made a mistake. It's clear that they made a mistake. But they weren't acting just uh, in abandon and lawless without thinking of the Torah. So the question becomes, but the Medrash says that there was no Divrei Torah by Yaakov. How do you reconcile that with the Medrash? How do you reconcile Sadiq and Gemara with Rav? You know, the, the Sepharno and the Orachaim and other Mefarshim explain that they were acting according to their understanding of halacha. Alpitorah. Alpitorah. So how can you say it's rank? Right, and the Medrash says that there's no water. Yeah. So how do we reconcile 
that the, the Medrash says that, um, again, there was the two Pirushim about no water, no water and there's snakes and scorpions, but no water, that there is, um, that the, there's no Divrei Torah. There's no Divrei Torah. And that's why there's snakes and scorpions. But why is there no Divrei Torah if according to the Sforno and to the Arachayim, really they were acting according to their understanding within the framework of Divrei Torah. So, what we have over here is, and that's what I want to get to the point we want to get to, is when we compare Torah to water, why, why is Torah compared to water? Why dafka water? Why, why, what's like, the aspect like of water? So there's a comment, the first answer that comes to mind is water is the source of all life. You know, you can't live without water. And, and um, uh, it's interesting, like, for example, we, we read the Torah the Takana is on Monday, Thursday, and Shabbos, so we shouldn't go three days without Torah, just like a person can't go three days without water. There's that life part aspect to water. There's controversy, right? Doesn't, doesn't water could be to resemble controversy? Water, I don't remember that shot, but what, what do you mean? In what way? Meaning like there's, uh, you know, there's controversy between the brothers. So the water represents that also. Yeah. It could be, could be I, don't, I don't remember well, that so who's Which brothers are called the wild waters? Pachas Kamayim Altaiser, that's uh, Reuven. Okay, Reuven. That, part of that could also be, yeah. But I'm going to say a different shot from the Gemara. Let's look at the Gemara here in Mesech the Tainus, Davzayin Amodal. Amar Abichanina Bar Idi. Abichanina Bar Idi says, Lama Nimslu Dibre Tere Lamayim. Why is Tere compared to water? Dechsev Hoikal Tsami Lukulamayim, as we said earlier from Yeshayahu, that if you're thirsty, go take water. Leimer Lachasa say, Ma Mayim Manichin Makom Gavoa. The Gemara says a different shot. Water flow downward. Right? Well, the consistency of water is wherever you put it, it's gonna, you mean not like something hard, something liquid is gonna flow and it's gonna go to the lowest spot. It's gonna end up at the lowest spot in any given place. That is the consistency of water. Water represents humility. It's something that's looking for the lowest place. It's not looking to hold itself big, tall. It's the, water is the opposite of holding oneself tall or big. And the Gemara says, therefore, that the specific remis, the specific hint and allusion of water to Torah, is the concept of humility. Anivos, shiflos, holding oneself small. And only then can one be a proper keli, a proper um, vessel, receptacle, to receive divrei Torah. This idea, we really also say in the Shemona Esrei every day, and that really comes from a Gemara, the next Gemara plays in Masech the Baruchas, that in Zion Amadala, where the Gemara says, Mar Ravina, Amar Hochi. The son of Ravina, when he would finish his davening, Shemona Esrei, he would say, and we say this in our Siddur, Elokai Nitzor Mira, right? Wash my, uh, guard my lips from bad, or my tongue from bad, my lips from speaking anything that's dishonest, those who uh, would try to hurt me, so they should be, or curse me, they should be quiet. And then we say, let my soul be like dust. Open my heart to receive Torah. Right? And so here we see that relationship of humility as a necessary requisite for Torah. When it comes to Torah, there's a specific, a specific need for humility. 
in order to really connect to the truth of Torah. And before we explain that, one more beautiful source. In the Gemara Masech, the Erevin, right? There's a bunch of different Gemaras we're putting together. Erevin, Dafyid Gimlom and Beis. We have the most, who are the most famous uh, debaters in all of the Talmud, all of Mishnah? You have the school of Hillel and the school of Shammai. Right? Throughout Mishnah, Beis Hillel say this, Beis Shammai say that. And who is the halacha typically like? Beis Hillel. Why? So, again, on a simple pshat level, there were more. Right? We have a concept in halacha, you go by the majority. Achrei rabim lahatos. There were more in Hillel's camp than in Shammai's camp. That's on a simple level. Yet the Gemara more says... Students, you mean? Or yeah. you know the other rabbis who agree with you? More students in that yeshiva. Basilo oh, represented really one yeshiva. That's how it works, because number of yeshiva students. Yeah, yeah. So that's Pasha. But the Gemara says something deeper, and that's the Gemara in Erev and Dafyidimah Beis. V'chi me'achar she'elu ve'evlu divra lekim chayim. These were all holy people. And their words were all Torah. We look at Beshamai's words as Torah too, even if the Allah has not ruled according to them. So the Gemara says, being that they're both divra lekim chayim, they're words from one, they're words from one live God, why did Beis Hillel merit that the halacha is according to Beis Hillel? Says the Gemara, They were easier and they were, they were fine being insulted. They were, they were humble. Whenever somebody would ask them something, they would say both opinions. They would say theirs and the others. When they would give over the Torah thoughts, they would say, well, Shammai says that, and we say this. Not only would they mention the arguing opinion, they would actually proceed. Say the, the, the arguing opinion, they would say before their own. Says the Gemara. That is why they were Zohar, that the Allah is according to them, because of their humility. This teaches us, Shekol HaMashpil Atzmo, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Magbiho, whoever um, nullifies oneself or is humble, humbles oneself, Hashem picks one up. V'chol HaMagbiha Atzmo, whoever, to the, concept, to the contrary, whoever is more arrogant, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mashpilo, Hashem brings him down. So, which is a fascinating concept. We would think if there's a halachic argument, who should, well, what should decide who should uh, win the halacha? The one who's smarter, right? The one who's greater. But the Gemara says that both were great, both were holy. What was the de- what's the deciding factor in which tzaddikim were machavin were able to know the correct halacha? Humility. So if you think about it, the last three quotes here, the Gemara in Tainus, the Gemara in Brachas, and the Gemara in Erevin, all bring out this concept of this specific need for humility when it comes to Torah study. Right? We had in the Gemara Tainus that that's why Torah is compared to water, because water oh, goes humility. low. Yeah. The Gemara Brachas, and we say it in Shema Nesrei, I hold myself low like the dust, that's the, that's the, um, to be a, a vessel for Torah. And finally, that Allah is like Beis Hillel because of humility. Why? Why is it that humility is so central to Torah study? I mean, humility is a good thing. We understand that. But why is it like, you want to know who's going to get the halacha right? It's the one who's humble. Who's a vessel for Torah? The one who's humble. Why dafka? And the answer is because Torah is, is really divine wisdom. That's what it is. It's Hashem's chachma. And in order for one to be a vessel, to truly um, receive and be able to get it, to get Hashem's wisdom, one has, to hum- one has to be humble. When one is full of themselves, they're not a vessel for the divine. 
the more one is humble, the more one is not into themselves, they're a keli to, to, re, to be able to really connect to Divrei Elohim Chaim, to the emes, to the ultimate emes of Torah. And that's really the lesson of all these ideas and why the halacha is dafka determined by the one who is most humble because the one who is most humble is most keli, most a vessel Empty to space. be mechaven, right? right? They make themselves like Zestak. Another place it says that that to receive you have to be empty. If a cup is full, it can't really receive. An empty cup receives. So for for us to receive the dvar Hashem, it requires the person's being humble and therefore being open to receive Hashem's words. Um, it's interesting the Gemara that I've mentioned in the past from Masechta Nedorim, fascinating Gemara that says that when Moshe Rabbeinu um, comes to receive the Torah from Hashem, so he's going to study the entire Torah 40 days and 40 nights. We all know that. So one would think, how did it work? You know, every day he learned 140th, right? 140th of the Gemara, 140th of the Medrash, 140th. But the Gemara says no. The Gemara says every day he learned everything and forgot it all. Mm-hmm. Every day? Every day. Every day for 40 days he learned everything and forgot it all. And that's the Gemara here, Nadar. Amr Rabbi Yechanan, B'tchila Yamesha learned and forgot. It was given as a gift. That when Moshe finished, Hashem gave him the whole Torah as a gift. The idea being again, for a human, for a human to really um, contain Hashem's wisdom, it's impossible. Hashem's wisdom is beyond, is above, is, is unlimited. Hashem is infinite, we're finite. Even Moshe Rabbein the greatest of all tzaddikim, the greatest of all prophets, the greatest human ever, but he's still human. And if he's human, it's finite. And he's not a vessel for the infinite of Hashem. And therefore, it had to be given to him from above. And a person has to understand that. And that's where humility comes from. We have to understand, to receive Torah, it comes from being humble before Hashem, opening ourselves up to receive Hashem's words, receive Hashem's gift. Why did it take 40 days for uh, God to give it to him? You know, that he would make him forget it every day. Right. Yeah. Right. Down a week or two. Right. I mean, I mean, right. That's, that's, an excellent, that's an excellent question. I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, well, if I know the answer by then, I don't know. In other words, if Hashem, anyways, didn't give it to him one shot, it seems Hashem was trying to teach him that concept that you're going to learn and learn and learn, but ultimately, I have to decide to give it to you as a gift. It, There's a lot of Kabbalah about the number it's 40. A excuse for a yeshiva kid. God hasn't given me. Uh, <laughs> At present yet. Listen, I don't Are know. I, I teach in a yeshiva and the boys never have excuses. <laughs> oh, you're lucky. <laughs> Are there another place in Torah where it lists out qualities and, and it ranks humility number one? Yes. Where? Yeah. I don't remember. There's, there's a good one. Yes, yes, yes. Humility is a very, very tremendously powerful quality, especially when it comes to learning Torah, mm-hmm. as we see from all of these Gemaras. So I, I'm going to say, I just want to tie it all together and see where we're headed over here. So here, now we'll understand this beautiful medrash about the Shvatim. Of course, the Shvatim had good reasons for what they were doing. And we saw from the Sforno, we saw from the Orachayim, they were making halachic calculations right and left. But they were mistaken. Right? With all their calculations, there's no question that they were wrong. And that's why ultimately they were punished and Claudius was punished. The, the, the ten martyrs, you know, the, Mechira, the sale of Yosef is a sin. They made calculations, but they were wrong. Why were they wrong? They were lacking in the humility of Torah. How do you know they, that? They were, maki, they were lacking in the humility to be mechavin to the Anas. That's what we saw here from Hillel and Shammai. What did we see? Shammai is also right. Shammai is also thinking Divrei Torah. But to be mechavin to the Anas, how do you say how to translate mechavin? To, um, to, uh, 
to to in sync or in line up. Understand. To understand, to be able to find the truth of Hashem's will, that you need dafka, the humility, the bittel, the humbleness before Hashem, in order that Hashem's wisdom <laughs> should should properly register by the person. So that's what it means. It says that Yaakov was missing the the water of Torah because water we saw from the Gemara represents the humility. Right? We're putting it together here. Why did he do the what he did? It was his kids. kids but it says, Boro shall Yaakov. Yaakov's kids is an extension of Yaakov. Oh. We read the Medrash. The Medrash said yeah. that Yaakov lost his water here when the Shvatim were doing this. So the question was, but they were, they were trying to do the right thing. They were, they were making Cheshbonos of Torah. Oh. That's the Emes. Yeah, but in order to be a king, to have the Emes of Torah, there has to be Dafka the Bittel. Dafka that recognition that Torah is something divine. And, one, and only when one is humble is one able to be mechavin, to have the right halacha of Torah. So that's how it comes together, again, that Yaakov Avinu, um, that in this sale of Yosef, true, the Sepharno, the Orachayim, they say different thoughts and different calculations that they made, and of course they did make those calculations, yet they were in Zohar to get the emes of the Torah, to make the emes a calculation. That zechus comes dafka through Mayim, just like by Hillel, dafka through Anivos, dafka through the proper humility. It and is interesting. How could they possibly before their father? They should have come to their father and discussed things, no? Well, they weren't by him. They were in a different, well, you know, different towns. Rather different city. than their uh, learning, it sounds like their their talking was more of a justification. Uh, you yeah. know, okay. they were looking for a justification, as people look in halacha. You know, sometimes look for a loophole, look for something, and yeah. that's correct. And that's really comes from it's the same idea, which is when one has true humility, they're not looking for justifications. They want to know what's the truth. When I'm coming from my own, I have my own agenda, and I want to figure out a halacha that fits my agenda, I'm obviously not coming from a humble place. I also heard one time that uh, basically because of that humility, they're able to pass the Masorah. You can't pass the Masorah from an arrogant standpoint. And if you can't pass the Masorah, then it's all for naught anyway. And it's the same idea. It's the same idea, because to pass the truth of something, you have to not be part of the picture. As long as you're pushing your agenda, it's not going to work. So I just want to bring it back. We have a minute left to Hanukkah. We started off, why is this in the story of Hanukkah? Because Hanukkah famously... We have the story of the Greeks and the whole thing, and we say in the Al Hanisim, which we'll start saying tomorrow night, we say that what do they want? Right? So the, many as far as say, the Greeks had no problem if we studied Torah. The Greeks were philosophers, they loved philosophy, they loved brilliant ideas. They didn't like that we had that we have that the, the Kedusha, the holiness of Torah. It's Hashem's Torah. It's something holy, whether I understand it or not. That bothered them. That's why it says, Lashkicham, they made it, wanted us to forget, Torah Secha, that it's Hashem's Torah. They said, learn Torah. But look at it as some, you know, exercise, intellectual exercise, beautiful stuff, interesting stuff, fascinating stuff. Then you can learn it. Let it be another science, like so many other sciences. Why, why the holiness? And they also said, do mitzvahs, but not the chukim, those things that, that don't make sense, that are illogical, that you're just doing it because Hashem wants. In other words, they were fighting against the holiness of Torah, that it's Hashem's Torah, that it's something above us, that, that we learn with the humility, knowing it's Hashem's Torah, it's Hashem's will, and I submit to it. And that really fits right into this, what we're learning over here. Now, the, the concept of Hanukkah is Dafka, that we told the Greeks, no, we're learning because it's Hashem's Torah, and we're doing it because it's Hashem's mitzvahs, and we're doing it with that, with that necessary humility. 
And that's why in this sugya that deals with Hanukkah we learn, and that was the mistake as well of those Shvatim who were, they were doing halacha, but not with the necessary humility to be able to reach the emes of the halacha and do as, 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 as Basil, halacha kemosam, because of the anivus and bitl, the mayim, the mayim, the bitl of Torah, which makes one a proper keli to learn and understand. Very good. Beautiful. Okay. All these, um,